What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Flame Entertainment and Sports. It's your boy Rob here. Welcome to a sports edition of the podcast. On today's show, I'm going to be covering some NFL talk. I'm going to be deep diving into the Dolphins' big bounce-back victory over the New York Giants. going to talk about the two only undefeated teams in the league, the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers, as they pick up huge wins once again. And I'm also going to be talking about the other 4-1 AFC team uh, besides the Dolphins, which is the Kansas City Chiefs, who are currently on a four-game winning streak. After the NFL, um, I'm going to be bringing on one of my best friends, Paul, and he will be giving his thoughts on college football, uh, some games that occurred in the previous week, and some some game some games that will be coming ahead um, this season. Following Paul's thoughts on college football, we'll be getting into some Major League Baseball playoffs talk. Um, I'll uh, I'll be giving a you know a little recap as to what happened to my Miami Marlins in the wild card round, and I'll also be giving an update as to how everything currently stands in the Major League Baseball playoff picture. And the final topic, a very short topic on today's show, some NBA talk. As I shout out my Miami Heat on a on a hosting a beautiful event. They've done for many years now, in which they honor breast cancer awareness. And then I talk about a former Heat sharpshooter who has recently joined the coaching staff. But yeah, with that said, make sure to check out the description of today's show for the timestamps so you know exactly when I'm going to talk about each topic, so you know exactly when when to listen. Um, and yeah, with all that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and let's get into it. All right, guys. So for the first topic on today's sports episode of the Flame Entertainment and Sports, I'm going to be talking about week five in the NFL. I'm going to be starting off with my Miami Dolphins as we pick up a huge 31 to 16 bounce back win against the New York Giants. The Dolphins improved to four and one on the year and the Giants fought a one and four on the season. So a couple a couple things I want to point out here about this Dolphins game. So the Dolphins have now once again made NFL history as they have the most yards through five games in NFL history, surpassing the 2001 Rams, also known as the greatest show on turf. The Dolphin after five games, the Dolphins currently have 2,568 yards of offense. Tua Tungavailoa has the most passing yards for a Miami Dolphins quarterback in franchise history through five games. He is currently at 1,614 passing yards. Rookie running back Devon, Devon Ashan goes off for 151 yards on the ground on only 11 carries, and that included a, a huge 76-yard touchdown run. Tyree Kill. After this game, he ends up averaging 22.6 yards per reception, which is just absolutely incredible. The cheetah added again. He's just incredible to watch, and I'm so grateful to have him on, on this Dolphins team. But, yeah, he averaged 22.6 yards per reception in this Miami Dolphins win on eight catches for 181 yards and a touchdown. Joining Hill in the touchdown department was – 
fellow Dolphin superstar wideout Jalen Waddle, who had a touchdown of his own on the day. Uh, Tua threw for 308 yards along with two touchdowns. Like I said, one in the hill, one in the waddle. And he also threw two interceptions in the game. Now to talk about, those are a couple of fun facts I wanted to point out because obviously some historic stuff going on with the Dolphins. It seems like every single game so far this season. Now I want to go into the defense. Um, of course, the offense has been the most consistent part of this group and the defense has been the most up and down. But I do feel that I saw a lot of improvement um, not just by one player or one position group, but multiple players and multiple position groups. But with that said, I want to shout out Andrew Van Ginkle, who has arguably been the, the best player on this Miami Dolphins defense so far this season. Um, he's Ever since we drafted him a um, couple years ago, he's just always been so consistent. Um, he gives it his all in every play. He plays with a lot of heart. And now that he's been stepping stepping in in place of Jalen Phillips as Phillips missed, missed his second consecutive game, um, it's amazing to see Van Ginkle finally receiving the the love and recognition that he's that he should have had for a, a while as he's been doing this. But um, it's better better um now than never, right? You know, better late than never, I guess you could say. And yeah, I'm just super happy to see Van Ginkle finally. Receiving that love and attention, man, because he really is one of the most consistent defensive players in the National Football League. And, yeah, it's just incredible to watch and to finally see people, you know, talking about him. And um, I'm just – I can't wait for the day that, that Chris Greer and the Dolphins decide, decide to offer him an extension. It's going to be a, a great day of celebration here in, in Miami um, for uh, Miami Dolphins uh, uh, – for Finns Nation, I guess you could call it. But yeah, speaking of Van Ginkle in this game, he had a sack, a tackle for loss, a quarterback, and a quarterback hit. And like I said, yeah, he, he's been stepping up hugely in place of um the amazing Jalen Phillips, who the Dolphins hope to get back um for their week six home matchup against the Carolina Panthers. So to stay to stay on the Dolphins defense. So uh, I wanna point out one specific group that I saw huge improvement from from one week to another. And that is the linebacking group of this Miami Dolphins defense of David Long and Jerome Baker. Long and Baker bounced back after a very shaky performance against the Buffalo Bills and the Dolphins week four loss to the Bills. And yeah, it was very it was very weird for me in the Bills game to see Long and Baker not being able to bring down the Buffalo Bills um, offensive players, um, including Dalton Kincaid, the tight end. Uh, amongst others and yeah it was just very very shocking and thankfully you know after after one bad performance they're able to come back and have an incredible performance against the New York Giants including for both of them they made some really show-stopping huge hits um there's a, a play there's a I don't remember the down or the quarter or anything like that but there's a specific play where the Giants had a run and David Long came out of nowhere, and it looked like he shot out of a cannon. Um, but he, uh, Long has been a tremendous addition that Chris Greer added um, this offseason from the Tennessee Titans as he was uh, the Titans' most consi- uh, cons- consistent linebacker for the last couple of seasons. And I think that that move has gone under the radar. It, it was under the radar at first, but now 
obviously with the historic numbers that the the offense is putting up, not a lot of people are finding out these defensive players. But David Lund, um, has turned out to be an incredible under the radar and huge steal, um, for Chris Greer and the Miami Dolphins front office. Um, and speaking of Lund, so in this game, he had a tackle for loss, and then to talk about his uh. His co-anchor of that linebacking core, Jerome Baker, a longtime Dolphin. Baker had a huge game um, in this one against the Giants as he had a sack and a half and two quarterback hits. And this amazing Dolphins linebacking duo combined for 17 tackles on the day, which is just absolutely incredible. Like I said, they're all over the field. And um, a good majority of those 17 combined tackles uh, – were some show-stopping plays and very critical critical um, tackles in, in the game for the Dolphins. So to stick on the, on the defense here, I want to talk about the Dolphins' secondary. I would say the Dolphins' secondary had arguably their best performance of the season as a unit in this Week 5 victory over the New York Giants. It was huge to have Eli Apple back out there opposite of Xavier Howard. Um, I think Apple stepped up big after me- missing the the previous game against the Bills, uh, Javon Holland just continues to shine week in and week out. The third year superstar safety out of Oregon, I mean, just an incredible player, so consistent. And I think he, he he's kind of uh, underappreciated because or not talked about just because like you just expect it at this point. Like he's so damn good and so damn consistent that no one really says his name. But Javon Holland is one of the best safeties in the league and. It's just a, an an absolute honor to have him on this team. And yeah, Chris Greer picked him. <laughs> like I said, this is his third year, so he picked him a couple of years ago in the second round after selecting. Oh yeah, Jalen Waddle and Jalen Phillips. So that draft class just continues to shine and and look better week in and week out for this uh, Miami Dolphins uh, organization. But to stick in the in the secondary department for the Finns, so um, I want to say Xavier Howard. He had another tremendous game. He's absolutely back to himself this season. We've seen it from week one this year. Um, and co- you compare it to last year, you could totally tell that last year he played the, the games in which he did play. He was obviously never 100%. Um, and I want to point out, there's a specific play where Howard knocked down a pass that would would have most likely been a touchdown connection from Daniel Jones to Giants tight end Darren Waller. And that was a critical, critical play. Um, critical pass breakup by by the X-Men himself, Xavier Howard. And, yeah, I'm just so happy to see X healthy and, and back to, to doing what he does best, uh, which is being arguably the best cornerback in, in, all, of, in all of football. Um, so one more group I want to cover here on this Dolphins defense, and that is the, the defensive tackle, the elite, let me say that, elite defensive tackle duo of Christian Wilk- Wilkins and Zach Sealer. Um, like I said, elite. They're consistent. They're dominant each and every game. Um, it's it's incredible to watch them. Um, run defense, pass defense, whatever it may be. Sealer and Wilkins will come through for you. Zach Sealer was the leading sack getter on the day for Miami, as he had two sacks on the day. Um, besides the two sacks, he also added three tackles for losses and three quarterback hits, and then Christian Wilkins had half of a sack and two quarterback hits for himself. So it's just incredible to see the growth of this Miami Dolphins defense. Yes, at times it, it could look shaky, 
But what I see is improvement little by little each and every game. And I wanted to make sure to really, you know, talk about how impressed I was to see the adjustments, not not only the, the improvement of the players and their the, the improvement of their performance from, from the game against the Bills to now the game against the Giants, but also the adjustments made by Vic Fangio and his and his staff. With that said, I'm I'm glad I rem- I just brought up the staff. Um, whoever's in charge of the defensive substitutions on the sideline, because uh, Vic Fangio, he calls his plays from up up in the box. You know, he's on the sideline. We we have to get that figured out for our next game against Carolina, because there is multiple times in the game on fourth downs where we give the Giants um a free first down. Both times really were for twelve men on the field. The first time was twelve men on the field. And and for some reason the second time that happened they called illegal substitution, but really we had twelve men on the field. But that is absolutely unacceptable. Um, those those uh mistakes kind of went under the radar just because we were like dominating the whole game and in control. But if you're in a close game and that happens, those are that's something that makes or break a can make or break a game, make or break a season. And uh, yeah, I want to see. Improvements on on the defensive staff there to get their stuff together because that's like I said absolutely unacceptable and especially for a team that is so great like like this Dolphins team is this season we cannot let those small mistakes happen because um, we have huge goals at hand right now and we can't let like itty bitty um, low IQ errors uh, affect uh, how far we go this season. So I want to really see that uh, get improved, um, starting with our, our week six uh, home matchup here at Hard Rock Stadium against uh, Bryce Young and the, and the Carolina Panthers. On the opposite side of this game, though, talk a little bit about the New York Giants. So fortunately for the Giants, they fought a one and four on the season. And besides the loss on um in the record book, they also suffer another big time loss as Daniel Jones was removed from the game in the second half due to a, a neck injury after uh, being sacked by Andrew Van Ginkle. And that's not the, the first big injury of the season for the New York Giants as early on they, they lost Saquon Barkley and he, he's missed multiple games. Of course, Barkley, their superstar running back and arguably the, the best player on this New York Giants team. And besides Barkley and now Jones, they've also got multiple games without some key starters on the offensive line, including left tackle, uh, former Georgia Bulldog, Andrew Thomas. So I just wanted to get that out there because although it has been an ugly start for New York, um, it, it is tough, extra tough for them because they don't have the best depth either. And it's not only about oh, having the best depth, but um, when you think of the positions in which they've suffered, those are uh, arguably some of the most um, important positions. Of course, offensive line running back and now Daniel Jones hopefully it's not nothing bad and he's able to play in their next contest but I just wanted to make sure to point that out there and uh and yeah well, it's going to be interesting to see how the Giants back bounce back from this another uh tough loss for them but um uh, yeah wishing all these guys the best and hope they get healthy you know as soon as possible um oh and before actually I wrap up my thoughts on this game to go back to the fins really quick um, of course, I said all those historic stats at the beginning about our offense, but I do want to give a huge shout-out once again to our offensive line. Um, 
the, the play of the offensive line this season has just been absolutely incredible, so consistent. Uh, Mike McDaniel's decision to bring in a new offensive line coach in the offseason has really paid off. And, yeah, this offensive line just continues, continues to shine, even with the majority of their game so far being without the anchor. And one of the top leaders on this team, left tackle, Teron Armstead, um, and the guy who's really who's played the majority of left tackle this season is Kendall Lamb, and he had an, an, another incredible effort um, in the win here against the Giants. Um, Robert Hunt continues to shine. Isaiah Wynn, who the Dolphins signed on a short-term contract in the offseason, former New England Patriot, he's been an absolutely huge addition. Another under-the-radar move, like I, uh, just like David Long, who I mentioned earlier, um, Connor Williams came back in this game, the Dolphins center, after missing our, our game against the Buffalo Bills. And Austin Jackson, big, big and young Austin Jackson at right tackle, continues to blossom right in front of our own eyes into um, one of the best young tackles in, in, in the game of football um, right now. And... Um, yeah, and throughout the contest, we did suffer. Uh, Wynn did exit the game at some point, and Liam Eichenberg um, was was able to step up in his place and and do a fine job, and you know keep keep it going, keep that that left guard position at lock on lock on lock, and uh and yeah, Eichenberg. Uh, I mean, shout out to him as well. Um, last couple of seasons, he had he had started a couple of games at tackle at guard. Last week, he winds up starting. His first career game at center due to Connor Williams being out, and this week he's uh he shuffled in uh, late in the game uh, at left guard due to like I said Isaiah Wynn going down. So yeah, shout out to Eichenberg, shout out to Kendall Lamb, to um and especially yeah two guys who of course they're they're not they weren't uh what do you call it meant to be start not not that they weren't meant to be starters but they weren't uh day one starters this season and. I mean, specifically Kendall Lamb. He looks like an absolutely day one left tackle. That's incredible that they, they, they've been able to stay consistent. Like I said, even um, with Teron Armstead, the, the main anchor, um, missing the majority of the game so far this season. And he has been placed on injury reserve, so he will likely miss at least the next three to four games. But thankfully, Kendall Lamb has done, like I said, an incredible job in his place. But yeah, I'm glad I brought up uh, – I remember to bring up the offensive line because they deserve deserve all the credit in the world. Um, they, they're just doing an absolutely incredible job. And, yeah, so, yeah, those are my thoughts on the Dolphins. What is it? Let me double-check. Yeah, on the Dolphins' 31-16 victory over the New York Giants. So a couple more games here I, I want to cover in the NFL. So the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers remain undefeated as both NFC teams move to 5-0 and on the year. Uh, Philly defeated the Los Angeles Rams. Let me check the score here really quick. Philly defeated the Rams 23-14. to um, The Eagles defense had a, a monster game as rookie defensive tackle Jalen Carter, the former Georgia Bulldog national champion, he had two sacks on the day. Two, ta- two tackles for loss and two quarterback hits. Um, outside linebacker Hassan Reddick um, had two sacks of his own, two tackles for loss as well, just like his uh, teammate Jalen Carter. And he had three quarterback hits in the game. Now to switch things over to the Philly offensive side, 
Jalen Hurts, he threw for over 300 yards in the game, and he had multiple touchdowns, one on the ground and one through the air. One, the one through the air went to the Eagles superstar tight end, Dallas Goddard. Um, Goddard, along with Eagles wideout, A.J. Brown, had over 100 receiving yards in the game. And like I said, including that touchdown pass from Jalen Hurts. Now to talk quickly about the only other undefeated team in the league, the San Francisco 49ers, uh, as they completely dismantled the Dallas Cowboys by a final score of 42-10 to 10 on Sunday Night Football. Brock Purdy, the Niners' second-year quarterback, remain, remains undefeated in the regular season in his career as he moves to 12-0 in the regular season in his career, which is just absolutely insane to think about. Purdy threw four touchdowns in the games, uh, you know, in the games. Sorry, tongue twister there, little brain fart for you. Uh, so yeah, four, Purdy threw four touchdown passes in in this uh, huge Niners victory over the Cowboys, and three of those touchdown passes went to George Kittle. And it's funny because Kittle, those three touchdown receptions were hit his the only three catches of uh, um, on the day for him. So. Uh, a nice little uh, Sunday night football game for for that Niners duo, Brock Purdy and George Kittle. Uh, now to move to defensive side for, for San Fran. So superstar linebacker Fred Warner, arguably the best linebacker in all of football, not only this year, for the, but for the last couple of years. He shines once again. He adds a sack, a tackle for a loss, a pass deflection, a quarterback hit, and also he had a team high eight tackles in this 49ers victory. The Niners defense added three more sacks on the day, including half of a sack for Nick Bosa. Um, and Bosa also added four quarterback hits um, against Dak Prescott and that Dallas Cowboys offensive line. So, yeah, like I said, the Niners and the Eagles remain the only undefeated teams in the NFL as they each move to 5-0. and and then quickly, another team I want to talk about, the Kansas City Chiefs, after losing their, their week one um, matchup sorry, against the Detroit Lions, they have now won four games in a row, and they moved to 4-1 and one as they pick up a 27-20 victory over Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings as the Vikings fall to 1-4 and four in the season, including an, having an 0-3 record at home at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota. Um, Taylor Swift did not show up for this game after showing up for the previous two Kansas City Chiefs game. Um, but her her man, Tra Travis Kelsey, had a huge day uh, as he had 10 receptions for 67 yards and a touchdown. Fortunately, he suffered an ankle injury in the contest, but thankfully he was able to come back and finish. And it was another great game for Chiefs second-year running back Isaiah Pacheco as he had 55 yards on the ground and a touchdown. So, yeah, before I, I officially wrap up this NFL portion of today's show, uh, yeah, the four games I talked about right there are currently the four best teams in the NFL, as we have the AFC leading Kansas City Chiefs and Miami Dolphins at 4-1, and one, and the NFC leading San Francisco 49ers and Philadelphia Eagles at five and oh. All right, guys. So the next topic on today's show will be college football. Today, I'm changing some things up just for this specific college football segment of the podcast. 
Um, so I'm gonna bring on my boy Paul. He's uh, one of my best friends. For, the, for those of you that don't know, he's currently doing great things at, at the University of Pittsburgh as a medical student over there. Um, but besides that, he's also a huge college football fanatic. He really knows his stuff um, within college football. So I decided to reach out to him to see if he wanted to give his thoughts on any of the, the previous games that occurred this past weekend and anything he's looking forward to in this current uh, college football season. So with that said, I'm going to let him take over. And yeah, here are Paul's thoughts on college football. All right. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. Thank you for letting me be on the show. I'm really excited to get to do this again. Uh, I haven't been able to do it this season. Uh, halfway through the season, pretty much, and it's just been jam-packed. I mean, it's been it's been one of those years in college football. Uh, so I think about it like the 07 year, which is like one of the most infamous years in all of college football. It's just straight mayhem. Um, and I think we've gotten a little taste of it here and then, here and there, you know, like just like what we always do. But I think we're we're in for something special this year. So um, a lot of things to talk about. This is a big, big week. Um, you know, we obviously had the uh, Texas OU. We had a couple other big games. We had Missouri, LSU, which I think a lot of people weren't paying as much attention to. Notre Dame, Louisville, huge. We had um, Arizona almost upsetting USC in L.A., which which is uh, there's a lot I can get into. I'm going to start off with the thing that a lot of your listeners, Rob, are not going to want to talk about. It's the Miami-Georgia Tech game. And I'm going to I'm going to start off by, look, I'm going to ask all you Canes out there, Rob, I know how you feel about this. You know, all the Canes fans out there, let's just take a deep breath, okay? In and out. You guys should, we should all do like yoga and more breathing stuff every now and then, meditate. But seriously, this is a bad loss. I get it. It was bad. It was embarrassing. It sucks. It was so avoidable. A whole nine yards, whatever. But just just think about it. Stop. Before you start calling for, for Crystal Ball's head or put lighting the fire under, under him, whatever. Where were you guys last year around this point? You guys were 4-1 and one right now. Last year, after five games, you guys were two and three. Those two wins came off of Bethune-Cookman and Southern Miss. Those three losses, uh, I know you guys remember losing to Texas A&M. You guys lost to North Carolina. And who could forget the Middle Tennessee State game at home? Right? Got past that. Got hyped for this season and everything. And... I mean, some of you guys might have completely forgot about that game until, until I mentioned it. And now we're here sitting and talking about Georgia Tech, this whole thing. You guys are 4-1 right now. Plenty of football to play. I'm not going to get into the, the play. We all know he should have kneeled both times. I'm not, gonna, I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about Miami being in the right direction as a program. Crystal Ball being the guy. Because you could not name me someone else that they have right now or that would want to go to Miami right now or that could go to Miami right now they're building around him they're recruiting they're getting facilities and whatnot so I, I tough loss but at the end of the day you know there's a lot of college football left to be played even if you guys end nine and two I mean nine and three ten and two this year that's a enormous 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 dub for the program and it actually is possible um this week coming up 
Miami plays against North Carolina in their place. And I think people, just because of that one game against Georgia Tech, people are writing it off like, oh, you know, like, you know, Miami's, they're frauds, you know. They're, they're going to get destroyed by, by North Carolina. It's going to be, a, you know, it's going to be horrible. I don't think so. I think, if anything, it, I think what happened with Miami this past weekend makes this game even closer. You know, that one lost team that has everything to prove, that has their pride shot, Going into a place into that you know these guys feel really comfortable after that demolishing they did they put up against Syracuse, and they're at home and you guys are in wounded animal mode saying hey we need to put something together we we have UNC and then we got Clemson right after at home and then we got Virginia so we can relax after that right after the Clemson game but I have a feeling that Miami's got this game and they're like they're hungry man they're like we're gonna bring our absolute best to these guys we're gonna make the adjustments we needed to make georgia tech was a trap game we know this shouldn't have lost but it was a trap game even though it was at home going on the road you know you're revitalized not in the not in the you know the best way but in a way that you know really like that at the end of the day if they use all about swagger and all this and whatnot like you guys always say i which i would like to see it Show me. Show me on Saturday. Show me against North Carolina. Prime time. It's going to be a hell of a game. be honest with you, I, if I had to pick right now who would win the game, probably put North Carolina. I'd probably put money on North Carolina, not going to lie. But the spread, if I'm not mistaken, is North Carolina uh, three and a half. I'd take Miami on the spread. I, Rob, I think this is a, like a, a field goal game, like a last second field goal game type of ending. Literally, whether it's like a, a field goal to tie it or a field goal to win it, like, you know, type of thing. And, and like, I don't know. It's just going to be it's going to be closer than a lot of people think. I think people are overreacting. But that's normal. This is college football. It's what we do. Uh, moving on. Got a lot of games to talk about. Uh, I know a lot of you guys, I hope a lot of you guys saw the Red River rivalry, Red River shootout, whatever you want to call it. And if you didn't, go on YouTube, watch a condensed version because it was fire. It's not the Red River rivalry for no reason. Um, so Oklahoma beats Texas 34-30. to Everyone had Texas winning this game. Everyone saying Texas is battle-tested. Texas is battle-tested. They beat Bama, even though people are writing off Bama already. You know, people are talking about Oklahoma's never played anyone this season. They were so bad last year. Last year, they lost to Texas 49-0 in the same game. And I get it. But that's this is a rivalry game. This is college football, man. Give we gave they gave Venables another year and and man, Dylan Gabriel put on a show. Oklahoma was a more physical team and I mean it was a dogfight though, you know? It wasn't like Oklahoma ran away with it. It was literally, literally to the last minute of the game. It was absolute classic, instant classic. But I, I think a lot of people need to also understand that. The whole thing about, oh, they haven't played anyone. They haven't played anyone. Oklahoma, I mean, Texas has played people. Sure, right? Texas played Bama in Bama. They won. Congrats to them. Oh, who has Oklahoma played up at this point? Oh, no one. Exactly. They played teams that I'm not even going to mention. I'm looking at their, their schedule right now. You guys wouldn't even know where half of these teams are on on a map. Swear to God. So do you think that they were actually planning to play these guys or do you think that they were looking ahead a little bit to texas game planning hungry because of what happened last year 
not thinking about who the hell's in front of them that much because they know that they're going to give it to them. They know that their offense is going to destroy them. They know their defense is going to be fine against these teams. Come on. While Texas has to worry about Bama and other teams in, in front of them, Oklahoma was, they were prepping, man. They did. And, they, and like I said, they were the more physical team. They wanted it more. They were hungry, man. Texas put up a hell of a game. Quinn Ewers, beginning of the game, a couple bad, you know, you know what is it called? Like just the ball just didn't bounce his way, literally or figuratively, a couple times. But he he stayed with it, man. He he really did. Ended up with three forty six passing, and a touchdown, two picks. One of them, I wouldn't put it on him, but he made some tough decisions. He had a fumble also. But man, that that I don't know if you guys saw that fumble, man. Well, Q, Quinn Ewers, you know he he scrambled outside the pocket, went to the right, and went for a first down. I was like, oh man, he's you know he's ready to go. He's he's feeling it. And Oklahoma defender, don't know his name, crushed him, bro. He crushed him. And I was like, oh, my God. He fumbled the ball. Oklahoma gets in. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, man. These guys are here, and they're still bringing it, man. They want to win this thing. They don't care what they got to do. So hats off to Oklahoma. Everyone realizes they're a contender now. But... We'll see. There's still a lot of football left to play. Like I said, it's it's only halfway through the regular season, man. Only halfway through. So I'm going to get into a couple other games real quick. I don't want to talk too much. But another game I saw that, like I said earlier, I think flew under a lot of people's radar was LSU-Missouri. Just because they're like, oh, LSU has two losses. Who cares? Oh, Missouri's undefeated. Who cares? It's Missouri. I think a lot of people, at least a lot of SEC-minded people, had this game circled around um, because... Like I'm talking about Miami, LSU is in complete, you know, disaster, not disaster mode. But they're in like panic mode. They're like, we need to win, 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 win. We don't care how we do it. We need to win. And Missouri's here like, oh, yeah, you know, how is it that we're still the underdog? We should be favored. We're at home. We're undefeated. Who are these guys? They got smoked by Florida State, all this stuff, you know, and they got and they lost to Ole Miss, whatever. We can we can take these guys. And I think they they can take them. You put those teams in a in a stadium 10 times in Mizzou, I think Missouri can win a few of those times, don't get me wrong. But when you have a game, like Jaden Daniels had a game in Columbia, Missouri, it's hard to win against that. When you have that many yards, not just on the, uh, not just on the air, but also on the ground, you're torching guys, looking like a track star. That late into the game. It's hard to win. It really is, especially in the SEC, man. It's a different it's a different style of football nowadays, man. These guys are just running around like crazy. You ask me, Jaden Daniels showed me that he's the best quarterback in the nation, not named Caleb Williams. Not named Caleb Williams. He had 130 yards rushing. That's more than any Missouri rushing rusher had. More, more rushing yards than Missouri had total. The quarterback of LSU had more rushing yards than Missouri had total. Whatever, that's fine. He also had 259s in the air, 259 yards in the air, three touchdowns through the air. Like I said, he smoked them on a 35-yard rushing touchdown. It was just this was like a classic just boxing match. Two guys that were, you know, pretty equally, you know, pretty equally put up there. Swinging at each other, right, left, right, left, just exchanging jabs. Like you know in WWE when like you know, towards the end of the match, when the two guys look like they're so freaking, they're like dead tired. And one of them punches them. The other one gets a shot at him. The other one gets a shot. They're just trading blows. And then eventually one guy starts hitting, hitting, hitting. That's exactly what happened with this LSU-Missouri game. 
And it came down to, you know, Missouri had a shot at the end. And for once, LSU's defense came through and they had a pick six and just had insult to injury. And they, you know, ran it in, ran up the score. They covered. And they ran out of there with a win, you know. But uh, I think that's a really important win just in terms of the SEC, uh, in terms of the way college football is shaping out to be this season. Because you're talking about a 3-3 three and three LSU team. With all the hype going into the season, that would have been a big deal. 4-2 and two is a different conversation. 4-2, and two, they, they still have they have one conference loss, you know. They could, let's say they beat Bama. Let's say, you know, Bama drops the game because it looks like they could drop an SEC game. What? Now what? And then maybe LSU wins the West or something? Like, it's so up in the air right now. It's great. Even Missouri. They got some ballers over there, man. They're having a good season. Hats off to Eli Drinkwitz. Let's look. Got some more games in here. I'm hand, I'm cherry picking some of these because I, I actually watched these or I had more you know interest in these games. I was a little more invested. So I'm going to talk about um, honestly. I'm going to talk about Georgia. Why not? Can't stand them. I don't know if you guys don't know already. I'm a huge Gator, born and raised. Um, I bleed orange and blue, and I will die bleeding orange and blue. But I have to. I have to admit, Rob, we were talking not too long ago, um, you know, before this weekend. I was like, man, you know, this is one of those seasons that I could see anyone winning it. It's really up in the air. I don't see anyone as, like, world beaters. Like, you know, Michigan looks like they've been taking care of business, whatever that means, because their schedule is so trash. Um, Georgia, you know, they're doing their thing. Like, they're, you know, obviously the the Auburn game was tough. That's a rivalry game. It's in Jordan-Hare or whatever. But they don't look unbeatable. They don't look like gods or anything. They, they, could, they could definitely lose the game and then... And then Kentucky comes to town. And Kentucky just ran it up on Gators. Ran it up like for like I the what was the guy's name? Um I could have forget his name. He literally torched us. Um Roy or Ray Ray Davis. Sorry, Ray Davis. I was thinking Roy. Had almost three hundred yards rushing, like a Madden type of game. Like Madden on rookie mode type of game against the Gators. I, I mean Unbelievable performance. It was ridiculous. And then who do you, how many yards do you think he has against Georgia? Not even 60. Kentucky doesn't even get a single rushing touchdown. So, you know, Devin Leary, we already know, is not going to be the guy to, to, to beat Georgia. So whatever. 51-13 to 13, the final score. Georgia mauls Kentucky. Cooked them. Fried them. Whatever you want to call it, they destroyed them. And like, suddenly they look like world beaters again they look like they can just run through everyone just like they did last year Carson Beck is looking good um you know their run game they they have a lot of guys who can run the ball they split it up with they split runs with a lot of players Carson Beck had almost 400 yards in that game Brock Bowers another crazy performance if he was a fantasy if he was a fantasy tight end right he would have he would have had 26 something points Nuts, over 100 yards uh, receiving. Just an absolute monster, guys. He's a one-of-a-kind. He's a phenom. But, yeah, I mean, Georgia looked like Georgia again. Georgia we've seen in the last couple of years. Like I said, it's open. We we don't know just yet who could win, who could lose. They could easily win. Uh, I mean, sorry, they could easily lose a regular season game this year. But after this weekend... 
it's make it's harder for me to believe that. To be honest with you, it's, it's a little harder for me to believe that. Kentucky's got some work to do. Um, I wouldn't write them off in terms of just like you know, as a team, they're gonna make some more noise this year. Um, looking like they're in the right direction, but they got to clean some things up. Georgia's just that good. If this was in Lexington, I don't think the result would have been that much different. To be honest with you. Um, but Georgia was ready. They were amped, and they 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 came. They saw, and they. I don't even want to say what they did. I shouldn't even say what they did. It was bad. But yeah. So those are the games I wanted to talk about, Rob. Um, a lot of good games this week. But before I get into that, I want to do this segment um, for those of you that are not as tapped in to college football. Because um, there's a lot of teams that we've been hearing about this season. Like, talk about Washington, Oregon. Talk about, obviously, Michigan, Georgia, Florida State, all these guys. But I want to talk about some teams that are not even ranked that I think you should know about. I'm just going to tell you a couple things, like, just so you know about these guys, because, you know, there's some teams that you might think, oh, you know, who cares? They're not, they're not in the playoff race. Who cares? This is That's not what all this is about. There's a lot more that goes into this than just a playoff, just bowl, like what the most prestigious bowl game. There's so many things that people were saying at the beginning of the season that they completely forgot they said now at this point. Because the team or the player or the coach is going nuts right now. But you know what? They, but they're not going nuts enough that you're hearing about them. Like a Colorado type, right? Like a Florida State type. But they're still making noise. They're still doing their thing one way or another. First team I want to talk about is uh, West Virginia. Down in uh, Morgantown, the Mountaineers. Off to a 4-1 and start. In a season that their coach, Neil Brown, was on the the hot seat and i'm saying the seat was so hot like i i'm in pittsburgh right now and i could i feel it i felt the heat from here an hour and a half away that's how hot that seat was and uh and you know he was he he lost his first game to penn state they absolutely torched them penn state is legit this season so i wouldn't hold that against them too much in penn state season opener it's fine bad loss but um they pick up a couple more games they beat duquesne who cares they beat pitt in a grudge match Right, they had, they held Pitt to six points. I don't know if that's saying too much with Pitt's quarterback, but anyways, uh, take down Texas Tech, take down TCU, all pretty close games except for the Duquesne and the Penn State one, obviously. But don't overlook four and one for West Virginia. They they were supposed to be like dead last or like towards the back of the Big Twelve this year, and they're making some noise, man. They they actually have Houston coming up. Houston doesn't look like the best team right now. That could be 5-1 and one easily. Then they got a test in Oklahoma State. They play UCF, BYU. So all winnable games. And they take on Oklahoma, at Oklahoma. We'll get to that when we get to that. But like I said, they they have a good shot of having a really good season. And hats off to them because it's easier said than done to just, you know, turn it around when you're, when you're coaching in the hot seat. You know, people are calling for your head. The, the, you know, it's a it's a school, it's a program that is not like no no BS. Like they are about their football over there down there in Morgantown. They care, man. It is a huge deal for them. So, hats off to them. Four and one team. You should know about. They're not ranked. I don't know if they will be unless they really start kicking some teams' asses. But we'll see. Next team I got. Just talked about them. Missouri Tigers. So they were just ranked, I want to say, 21st in the uh, in that game against LSU. Now they're not ranked. 
Why is that? You tell me. To be honest with you, I don't think that they should have gotten bumped out of the top 25. I think they still deserve to be in there. But you decide that, not me. Or if you're an AP poll voter, I guess you decide that, not me. It's fine. Um, Missouri's got a good team. They've, they've taken on some pretty decent teams. And, you know, they beat K-State in K-State. Uh, took care of Memphis, obviously Vanderbilt, and they hung with LSU, who has a very talented team. They got a really tough stretch ahead of them, though. I'm really interested to see what they do because they could be like the troublemakers of the SEC East right now. They got Kentucky in Lexington. They play South Carolina in October, right? They got Georgia. Play Tennessee, Florida, Arkansas. So that was a stretch of five straight SEC East games. Even if they win two of those, that's a huge deal. That that means that they, even if they just beat South Carolina and Florida, the, the worst of those teams, that's a big deal, man. That's a, that sends a ripple effect. And if they can steal one of Kentucky, Georgia, or Tennessee, just one of those, the SEC East, we don't even know what's going to be looking like. Who knows? Missouri might be up in the conversation. So don't write them off yet just because they're not ranked, just because you don't see them on the AP poll. Um, they got a lot to prove, and... You know, just like I said about UM, these teams, man, when they're when they're wounded, when they're down, when they when they got something to prove, man, they play different. So I'm really excited for that Kentucky, um, that Kentucky Missouri game that we have this weekend because, like I said, both of those teams are in that mode right now. We'll see who comes out on top, but definitely tune in, especially if you have any any interest at all in SEC football. I think it's high. I think it's must watch TV. Um, last team I'm going to talk about today, really quick. NC State, not ranked at all. That's fine. They're four and two. Their losses have been ass whooping from Notre Dame, and they lost a really really close one to Louisville at home. Louisville, right? The guys, the team who everyone is saying is like the next big thing out of the ACC. They should, they might win the ACC championship, or they could go at least and let's see what they can do against like Florida State or whoever ends up being. But NC State's not bad, man. They they got. They've played some good teams. They they beat Marshall last week by seven points. Marshall's a good team. Don't sleep on Marshall just because you don't know what conference they're in. Don't sleep on them. Um, you know, so they got like I said, they have the potential to be like Missouri, like one of those troublemakers. They got they're going to be at Duke this week. We know Duke only has one loss, and that's uh, uh, that really close one to Notre Dame. They play Clemson at home. They play Miami at home. So three back to back to back dogs that they're playing against. Two of those at home. And they got Wake Forest, VT, and then they end the season with North Carolina, UNC. So uh, one of the other undefeated ACC teams. So like like I said, man, there's a there's a potential for them to make some noise, just steal a couple, you know? And they're just under the radar. It's like a complete trap game for all those teams. But they could play, man. They could put up some numbers, but we'll see. Like I said, those are just three teams to, keep, to watch out for. Like I said, West Virginia, Missouri, and NC State. So Rob, uh... I, I told you about this, but um, on ESPN, I do a, the little pick em challenge that they have. So up until, uh, last week before the week happened, I was 29 and 11. So almost 75%, almost three out of four consistently on these picks. This last week just railed me, bro. Pause. Railed me. Pause. Anyways, so like I was saying... <laughs> Um, this last week, I went four and six in my picks. Um, there were some tough ones, obviously. But this week's got some some just crazy, crazy ones. I'm not going to get too deep into them. I'm just going to say them. And if, you know, and 
I'll just get one or two tidbits of why I think each team is going to win. It's going to be really quick. I'm going to get out of here. Taking up too much time on your podcast anyways, brother. Appreciate you having me. But we're going to go through the list of the games ESPN gave me to pick. Not me specifically, but you know what I'm talking about. James Madison over Georgia Southern. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know exactly what's going to happen in that game, but James Madison is at home. Give me James Madison. Washington, Oregon in Seattle. Give me Washington. It's going to be a dogfight. I can't wait to watch this game. It's going to be, who to me, whoever wins this game, to me, is going to be my favorite to win the Pac-12. Forget about USC. I don't know if they're contenders. They might be pretenders. These two teams are not pretenders. Both of these teams can make the playoff, and they're nasty. It's in Washington. Husky Stadium is going to be crazy. Michael Penix Jr. is going to go crazy. Trust. It's going to be a fun one. A lot of these games are coin flips, man. Those two games I just said, I could probably flip a coin and probably pick the winner. Next game, Texas A&M against Tennessee. Man, like I said, man, this whole this whole thing, you guys, Tennessee... Um, Came off that Florida loss, and they had something to prove, man. Texas A&M coming off that Bama loss. I know they're mad. I know they can't afford to have another loss. They cannot afford to go 4-3. and three. But Tennessee's got something to prove, too. Tennessee's still in it. They could literally make the playoff. I know it's easier said than done, but they got a lot in front of them. I got Texas A&M in a really close one. I just think that, you know, um, Tennessee's, Tennessee's passing game has not been what I would like to see from them and to me that's the key to beating texas a&m is just throwing all over them like miami did that one game um even bama had some luck Jalen miller road actually looked pretty good last game so if you could pass the ball on a&m you could beat them just joe milton has hasn't done it for me just yet i i will if he proves me wrong he proves me wrong but right now i have a&m winning they got a lot of talent on that side and i think they'll turn it around next game kansas versus oklahoma state Give me Kansas. It's fine. Next. Marshall against Georgia State. Like I said, I like Marshall. Screw it. Marshall. USC and D. This one was a little hard for me to decide. I'm not going to lie. You got USC who just came off that suspect ass win. Right? Suspect win against Arizona. And, you know, not even in the desert. We're talking about in LA in the Coliseum. And then we got ND, who just came off that that loss. ND, man, they've had a tough stretch. I was just I was just talking about this, Rob. They had a tough tough stretch. So who was it that they played? They played, uh, what was it? Played Ohio State at home, like top ten matchup, huge matchup, playoff implications. Lose a close one, super super close game. Could have gone either way. Then they have at Duke. Duke is amped up, amped up to play this game because they're undefeated. It's at home, game days there. You know Notre Dame just lost out of one. They're tough. They're you know they're, you know they they go in there. And they get a tough win. These guys are gassed. All right, not just physically, emotionally. These, these kids, they're twenty year old kids, are gassed. Right, they go into Louisville gassed, and they get destroyed up and down the field. They get worked by Louisville. Not gonna talk too much about that, but now now they have another one. They got now they gotta go all the way to. I mean now they gotta go home, and they got USC who probably was just looking forward to them you know they probably weren't thinking too much about arizona so i think usc is going to be prepared i think it's going to be a little i think they're gonna usc might pull away towards the end but give me usc i already talked to you guys about miami unc give me unc miami's gonna keep it close missouri against kentucky like i said 
Really, really interested in this one. I already talked about both these teams. Give me Missouri. UCLA, Oregon State. Oregon State at the beginning of the year was my sleeper underdog pick to win the Pac-12. I love what DJ Oyunglele is doing over there. Give me the Beavers at home. It's going to be a dogfight. Both these teams are solid, under the radar teams that no one, unless you're a Pac-12 fan or just diehard, don't, you're not really following these teams. You should watch this game. Last one, NC State at Duke. I already talked about NC State. Give me Duke. Give me Riley Leonard. Oh, wait. <laughs> He's out. <laughs> Got my ass. But seriously, give me Duke at home. They're, uh, they're going to get up for this game. Uh, this is a in-state, maybe not a rivalry, but in-state uh, game that means a lot. Like I said, uh, I don't think they, I don't think they're in the position to be looking past anyone after the ND lost loss. You know, they need to get all these ACC wins. So uh, Mike Elko is gonna get that win and, and move on. So yeah, that's it, Rob. Um, those are the games I wanted to talk about. It took about thirty minutes doing this. You know, like Rob always says, give me your feedback. Let me know what you guys think about the segments I did, about the analysis I did, uh, you know, just let us know. Really love to hear from you guys. Dale. All right, guys. So the next topic on today's show will be the Major League Baseball playoffs. As of this recording, it is currently Tuesday, October 10th, 3.14 a.m. Eastern time. Um, the, the current... I'm going to go over what has occurred in the MLB playoffs so far. So, unfortunately, my Miami Marlins were swept in the wild card round 2-0 by the Philadelphia Phillies. The Arizona Diamondbacks swept the Milwaukee Brewers 2-0. And the American League wild card, the Minnesota Twins swept the Blue Jays 2-0. And the Texas Rangers swept the Tampa Bay Rays 2-0. Um, let's talk about the Marlins really quick. So unfortunately, um, going into this wild card round, people thought that we wouldn't advance or make any noise due to our two top starting pitchers being out and Sandy Acantara and uh Udi Perez, Udi Perez, the rookie. Um, but that wasn't the case. Um, uh, in fact, the pitching was actually. Um, a lot better than expected. Uh, Jesus Lusardo started started the first game. Braxton Garrett started the second game, and for the most part, the bullpen did a great job in this wild card series against Phillies, against the Phillies. But the main reason, in my opinion, that the Marlins didn't advance is because we left a lot of runners on base. And you you look at the flip side, the Phillies won this series because they were able to bring guys home. They they didn't leave guys on base. Um, I do want to shout out Josh Bell. I would say he was our our most consistent non pitcher in this series. Um, he had I believe he had five hits in these two games. He made some plays on 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 defense as well. And yeah, um, but other than that, I mean, it was an incredible season for the Miami Marlins. I'm a super proud Marlins fan. I didn't expect to be at this position at all this season. Um, with a rookie manager with a, a general manager that many were unsure about. Uh, but Kim Mang had an incredible season. Skip Schumacher, an incredible first season as a as a manager here for the Marlins. Luis Arias, our, our, our second baseman that we picked up in the offseason, just incredible. He wins his second consecutive batting title 
He won last season in the American League with the Twins and now National League with the Marlins. Um, his batting average, I believe, goes up from 319 in the previous year to 354 this season with the Miami Marlins. And, uh, yeah, those are just a couple little things I wanted to point out here before I move on to what's currently going on as uh, we're currently in the division round right now. Um, right now, the, the Texas Rangers are currently up 2-0 against the Baltimore Orioles as they pick up two huge wins in Camden Yards in Baltimore. Um, game three will be will be today, actually, as the Rangers look for the, for the sweep and the Orioles look to keep their season alive. So for those of you that don't know, the wild card round was best two out of three. Now this division round is best three out of five. Um, so yeah, shout out to my boy Blee um, and the Orioles. Hope hope they're able to find some fire today and and turn turn this their playoff season around. Um, besides that, the Astros and Twins right now they're currently tied at, at one game apiece. The Astros took game one. Six to four, then the Twins bounced back and had had a huge game too, led by their superstar shortstop Carlos Correa, formerly of the Houston Astros, and then the National League side. Let me pull this up really quick. So currently in the National League side, um, the Philadelphia Phillies and the Atlanta Braves are tied at one, and game one of that series in Atlanta. Um, Atlanta has been the number one team in baseball all, all year. The Phillies took game one and they they held. The Braves to zero runs after the Braves had the most uh were the best offense um in the regular season, but Atlanta was able to bounce back with a huge game two come from behind victory, as the Phillies led four zero deep in the ball game. Atlanta scores five hundred answer runs, then they win at the end with a crazy double play, as Michael Harris Jr. makes a great catch at the wall in center field for Atlanta, and then the Atlanta is able to. Throw out, I believe it was Bryce Harper, um, as he tagged up from first because he 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 didn't believe that Harris would be able to catch that ball, and the Braves were able to pick up a huge, like I said, a huge come from behind victory. Then the other series currently going on in the division round in the in the NL, um, the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, pick up two huge wins on the road and Dodger Stadium to take a commanding 2-0 lead against the Los Angeles Dodgers and. It seems as if the playoff Dodgers are, are at it again. Always great regular season. A bunch of all-stars spend a lot of money. Unfortunately, it just seems like the Dodgers always choke. Of course, I'm not taking away their, their title in 2020. They earned that one, and they came through. But for the majority of the time, this is usually how things go for the Dodgers. Regular season champs, and they usually choke at the end in the playoffs. So we'll see ultimately what happens there. But that that... That is currently how uh, uh, the Major League Baseball playoff picture uh, stands. All right, guys. So the final topic on today's show will be the NBA. This will not be a very long segment of, of, of today's episode, but I did want to get into some NBA talk as the preseason has officially begun. The regular season is fastly approaching. Um, teams are, are like I said, yeah, preseason is going on, so teams are close to finalizing rosters, finalizing their G League teams, and everything like that. So, a couple things. Um, I do want to shout out the Miami Heat as last night, uh, Monday, October 9th, they held their annual inner squad game 
which with all proceeds going to breast cancer awareness. And it's just a beautiful thing that the Heat put on every year to honor those who had breast cancer, who currently have breast cancer. And it's just a, an amazing cause to put awareness towards. Um, obviously, cancer, super deadly disease that's touched the very uh, the majority of us. Um, a lot of our loved ones, a lot of, of uh, people we went to school with, things like that. And um, yeah, I just wanted to shout out my Miami Heat man on on just uh, an incredible incredible event they've been able to um, come up with here uh, for for many years now in a row. And it's just a beautiful thing to see. Um, besides that, I, I want to point out that former Heat three-point shooter Wayne Ellington, who at one point had the single-season Heat record uh, for most three-pointers in the season, um, he has officially joined the Miami Heat uh, coaching staff um, as he will be coming in place of former Heat point guard Anthony Carter, who recently left the Heat staff after several years here take a bigger role with the Memphis Grizzlies uh, staff, actually. And, yeah, those are just a couple things I wanted to cover with, within the NBA. Like I said, preseason is just beginning. Actually, tonight the Heat will be having their first preseason game. Um, so, yeah, there's there's not really much to talk, talk about yet. Um, but, of course, as soon as we get deeper into this thing, like a week from now, on next week's sports episode, I will be elaborating more on what's uh, ultimately occurred throughout this throughout the, the the preseason you know but uh yeah that wraps up the the basketball portion and the final portion of uh, our final topic of today's episode all right guys thank you so much for tuning in to today's sports episode of the flame entertainment and sports if you guys enjoyed that please make sure to share with anyone you know that you think would enjoy hearing about any of these topics. As always, um, I, I, I'd love to hear your feedback. If you guys have any different opinions or you want to share um, any thoughts you have on any of the topics I covered on today's show, please uh, feel free to reach out to me via Instagram at the flame underscore ES. You could reach out to me via, through my Instagram at Rob Gal. That's R-O-B-C-A-O. You could also email me at tfesrob at gmail.com. And once again, yeah, make sure to check us out on social media there on Instagram at the flame underscore ES at Rob Gal. That's R-O-B-C-A-O. And yeah, I mean, thank you guys so much, you know, for tuning into today's show. Stay tuned for our Thursday episode, our Thursday entertainment episode. And yeah, I hope all, all, all you sports people out there enjoyed this one. And until next time, everyone, take care.